Welcome to the Overcomers Podcast. Today you will be hearing a message from our very own Pastor Richard D. Dawes, entitled, Remain in Unity. There is plenty of prosperity for all of us. In today's message, he speaks about how God will bless us in the midst of our trials and tribulations. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are empowered and equipped by today's message. All right, turn your Bibles with me to the book of Psalms 133 and verse 1. The book of Psalms 133 and verse 1. I want you to notice how it reads. It says as follows, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. I want you to notice verse 1. Behold, notice what he says, how good and how pleasant it is. What's good and pleasant? When David wrote this, for brethren to dwell together, and notice what he wants, how we dwell together, in unity. And then he goes on, skip down to verse 3. When we dwell together in unity, in the latter part of verse 3, that's the place where the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Speaking on this, I want to talk to you from this subject. Remain in unity. There is plenty of prosperity for all of us. Remain in unity. There is plenty of prosperity for all of us. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for the word of God this morning. And we pray that the word of God will have free course and that the lives of people are being changed healed and delivered. We bind the enemy right now that would try to hinder or stop what Jesus is doing. We bind and we cast them out. Plead your blood upon this congregation, upon the people of God, upon whatever it is that Jesus wants to do this morning. We agree with that. Father, let the word of God have free course this morning. Father, continue to stir up the hunger and the thirst for the word of God and the ways of God this morning. So in turn, we can make better decisions. We can have better in our lives. Better is here and better is coming. Father, we can think better, talk better, and act better. All according to your word, Father. And we do bind the enemy right now that will try to hinder or stop what Jesus is doing. We cast them out. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your mercy. And thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Let those that agree say amen. In Psalms 133, verse 1 through 3, it reads again, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is important that we as believers dwell together in unity. It is so good that he he, he deems it is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. 
So based on Psalms 133, 1 through 3, we can have access to a corporate blessing where brethren dwell together in unity. Now, this is not gender-based. It is based upon we're of the same group. When I mean of the same group, we're born again. We know Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. We accept it, and not only we accept it, but we're yielded to his spirit. And we have the spirit of God operating on the inside of us. We belong to the same group. We resemble one another. We begin to talk like Jesus, act like Jesus, and think like Jesus. How do we know that we are like Jesus? We begin to resemble Jesus. How do we know what Jesus resembles? Because we have his word, and his word dictates to us how we conduct ourselves in every aspect of our lives. As well as we're his kinship. We're kin because of the shed blood that was shed back on the cross at Calvary. We have that same blood operating in our lives right now. It's because of the precious blood of Jesus that was shed back on the cross that we are kin to one another. We're blood. We got blood ties going on. It's not our old blood, but it's the blood of Jesus that puts us together. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that puts us together. I may be kin to a few of you in this room, but I'm, I thank God I'm more kin to Jesus because of his shared blood back on Calvary. And, when, and whether we are men, youth, or women, the Spirit of God in us and our belief in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ divinely connects us together. Go with me to the book of Romans chapter 8. I'm going to be looking at verse 9 through 11. The book of Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 11. And understand, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Very important. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So we must make sure we have the spirit of Christ in our lives. Say, Pastor, I don't know if I have it or not. Well, this is, if you don't know it, ask him to give it to you. The book of 11 says this, excuse me, the book of Luke chapter 11, I believe verse 13 reads as follows. Listen, if you ha- if, if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more should a heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So if you want the Holy Spirit, I, adv- I advise you just to basically ask him. Lord, fill me with your spirit. I need your spirit. In fact, I can't go another day without your spirit. I need the Holy Spirit because I don't want to be like this, this scripture says, if I have not his spirit, then I don't belong to him. And in verse 10, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give us, give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That same Jesus that rose from the dead, that same Jesus that got up from that grave lives on the inside of every born again, fire baptized, Holy Ghost believer. And and just like Jesus got up from that grave, we're going to get up from that grave too. And we believe that. Tell your neighbor, I believe that too. I believe I'm getting up from that grave. I don't believe that the grave can hold me down. I don't believe, amen, I may go through a lot of things in life, but Jesus lives on the inside of you. And not only is he raising us now, but he's raising us in the time to come. Go back to Psalms 133. And again, verse 1. Behold how good and how pleasant it is 
for brethren. Notice this, those are the kin, those that resemble one another, those are the same group. Uh, those what we do. We dwell together. We who are born again, we who uh, operate by the Spirit of God, we dwell together. We stay together. We remain together. We make sure we abide together. And we have a cause that makes us want to be together. We stay together because of the cause of Jesus Christ. And we must have a mindset that we're going to work together for that common cause, which is to further the gospel or the good news of our of Jesus Christ. And David is an excellent example in and the fact that he established the, the cause that prepared him to fight Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, verse 29. And, and go ahead with me. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 29. David had a cause. David had a reason. David had a reason for him doing what he did. And we find this in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 29. And let me say this to you. Why are you getting that for those who know the story? About David. I don't believe he could have de defeated Goliath if he didn't have a cause. And I don't think that we can have victory in our lives unless we have a cause. And the, the cause got to be bigger than us. The cause has to be about fulfilling the will of God. Remember when Jesus was going to the cross, he said, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, let this cup pass from me. But the cause was bigger than him. And we got to understand that the cause is bigger than us. When we're operating in, in the kingdom of God, we've got to have, let me say this to you, the right cause. The right cause. Because we know people right now overseas and even came into this country here that was dying, but they would die for the wrong cause. And we don't want to be individuals that do things for the wrong cause. I'm telling you, if I'm doing something with the wrong cause, Lord, let me repent and get that thing right. Because I'm, I'm, I'm too old to be wasting time now. Got too much. I've invested too much in the kingdom to be wasting time now. I prayed too much. I believe the gospel too much to be wasting time. So I must want to make sure that my cause lines up with Scripture. And so in First Samuel chapter 17 and verse 29, very simply, David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? We got to make sure our cause lines up with his. Despite the challenges that may come our way, despite the obstacles that may come our way, the, despite the difficulty that may come our way, I must make sure I'm with the right cause. And then you got to understand, even being in the cause can be, can be challenging sometimes. You can run into obstacles being in the right cause. You can run into difficulty in the right cause. But because Jesus Christ dwells on the inside of us, the Holy Spirit leads and guides us, we will be overcomers. We are overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. In fact, the fact the right cause will help you to defeat the enemy in every aspect of your life. You could be on your job and defeat the enemy. The cause is bigger than you. You know that Jesus loves you enough that he died for you. And we can't give up what he's doing in our lives. Unity will help maintain our cause and encourage us to continue to check our motives and egos to help a selfless mindset, not to have a selfless mindset. Excuse me, not to have, to have a selfless mindset and not a selfish mindset if we're going to be, be productive while working together. And it's imperative. You can work together, but you won't be productive. You can work together. How many know you worked with somebody and you were not productive in what you did? It's imperative that we learn how 
to do it with the right cause and be productive in what we do. And that sometimes you got to put your ego to the side, your way of doing it to the side for the betterment of the group. Yeah, I know your idea is good. I know it's wonderful. But for the betterment of the group, we're going to do it the way that we believe that the Holy Spirit is leading in this particular area. Because I believe we all can learn how to grow and do things better. I believe one of the things that you can fall into the trap of is that you got it done this way and it can't be done no other way. That's a trap from the enemy, and you got to learn that we can do it better. I thank God that when we study scriptures and we do and we study the word of God, it teaches us how to do things in a better way. I can love you better because of the word of God. I can treat you better because of the word of God. I can give better because of the word of God. I can pray more effectively because of the word of God. I can do it more effectively because of the revelation of scripture. When I say better is here and better is coming, that's because of revelation of Scripture. When I say that God is doing a great thing in our life, that's because of the revelation of Scripture. You can get stuck in doing it old way and think you rise somewhere, but God says, I got something better for you. Wouldn't it have been sad when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they said, because we're free, that's the way, amen, it's going to be. But no, they had a land full of milk and honey and they got, they kept on going. It took them a while to get there. Some of them didn't make it, but some of them who did make it, they received the better that God had for them. And I believe truly if we continue to walk by faith and not by sight, we can receive the better that God has for each and every one of us. Thank God for we're doing it and we're going to do this thing together. Now, while we may face resistance, hostility, even criticism, and we're trying to divide us while doing the work of God, we must be steadfast and immovable when it comes to operating together. We must also commit to sharing the word of God, but we got to do it as a unit. We got to do it alike. We got to be united in what we do. For it says, for it's it's good, it's good and pleasant for brethren to dwell together, to operate together, to have the same cause together, to move out together. We must also commit to sharing the word of God. And this is why I want you to understand. We need to work, have the mindset together that it's, all, it's important for each and every one of us to share the good news. It's not just Pastor Dobbs going out and sharing it, but it must be all of our mindset to share it. Well, you may not can go, you can reach people that I don't even see, don't even know, probably will never even meet until you bring them into the house of God. You will, you can share the good news of Jesus Christ. And it's not just we're going to see each other at 24 hours and seven days a week. But when we see somebody, we know that it's important they receive the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is imperative that they receive the good news of our King, of our Master, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not only that, we must be alike in what we believe when it comes to sharing the gospel. We encourage one, each other and being hospitable to others in the midst of opposition, as Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Let's go there real quickly. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. My beloved brother, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 
as we continue to work together, when we work, as we continue to be a light and when we work together, unified when we work together, we need to understand that when we're working on fulfilling the vision of the house, our labor is not going to be in vain. When you do what you do for the kingdom, your labor not going to be in vain. When you continue to work for the kingdom of God, your labor is not going to be in vain. The only labor that's going to be in vain is one that is not done when it needs to be done. You know how to do it, but yet you choose not to do it. That is uh, something that has lost its purpose, and we don't never want to lose our purpose in Jesus. As we go back to our text, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. In unity. The teaching and the preaching of Jesus is what will keep us operating in unity. On one accord with the same mind of Christ. When, we, when it comes to dwelling together, what keeps us together? What keeps us together? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's our common ground? Listen, some of you may like one team, I may like another team, but what is the common ground that keeps us together? It is the teaching of Jesus Christ. We believe in the teaching of our King, of our Master, of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what keeps us coming together. Why do we come together on a Sunday morning? Because of Jesus we, I love you, but I come to here because of Jesus. He said, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some is. We must come together for the coming cause. We must come together because of Jesus. When I love my brother and my sister, that's because Jesus teaches me to love those who are around me. How can you love God whom you've not seen and say you hate your brother whom you see every day? That's not possible. God said you need to love everybody. Well, what if they don't like me? He didn't say that. It's not an if, and, and but clause in there. You love because God teaches you to love. Everybody in this room probably got somebody difficult in their life they need to love. Thank you all for the two. I thought I heard two of man's right there. There are going to be some challenging people in your life that's going to challenge the Jesus in you to love them. And but but thanks be to God, you tell your neighbor, you're not the only one. Oh, tell me, you're not the only one. Everybody probably got somebody in their life that challenged them to love. And then this is what God would do. He'll tell you to pray for those. You say, Well, God, I didn't even pray for so and so yet. I'm I barely do like them, God. He'll say, Pray for those. I need for you to pray for that person and pray for that person because I loved you when you were unlovable. And when you were unlovable, I loved you and I prayed for you and I said the best is yet to come in your life. And when you did it, your life was better. You ever notice when you start praying for folks, it's hard to not to like folks you pray for? And it takes that hatred, that unforgiveness, that bitterness out of your heart. And you begin to love them with the love of God. And God will teach you how to love folks too. I don't, it don't matter if you don't like them or not. I'm telling you God will teach you how to love folks, and in turn, you'll have peace. And that's why he said he'll make all your enemies around you be at peace with you, because you're praying for them. Good God Almighty. And you know where peace comes from? It comes from in here, in your spirit, man. Oh, good God Almighty. The teaching of, and the preaching of Jesus Christ what will keep us operating in unity. I want to call it the same mind. And the book of Acts, let's go to Acts 2 and 42. That's what keeps us together is, is the doctrine, is the teaching of Jesus. That's what keeps us together. We come together because of the teaching of Jesus. 
We believe because of the teaching of Jesus. The book of Acts refers to these teachings as the apostles' doctrine. The apostles' doctrine. Where where did you get that from, Pastor? I wasn't sure. Acts 2 and 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. So notice when they came together in the book of Acts, they continued steadfast. They continued. They continued what? In the apostles' doctrine. They continued in fellowship. Fellowship is important. Let me say it to two more folks. Fellowship is important. Fellowship is important. But notice this, who you fellowship with is important too. You just can't fellowship with anybody. Fellowship with the right people will cause your life to be better. Now I'm not talking about you just just keep yourself in a corner at work. I'm talking about fellowshipping with somebody that can be influenced in your life. Our children at school, they have to learn how to fellowship the right way. Sometimes we got to teach them how to do it the right way. Because sometimes they have, they'll let people influence their life to the detriments. We don't want that to happen in their life. You ever notice how sometimes that a child with, with, with a problematic behavior, you might as well say, well, separate my child from person A because they, they ain't ready for that yet. They ain't strong enough yet. Because they get around person A, they're going to start acting like that person right there. You got to be honest with your child. You know, some children, my child's good all the time until they get around the right people. Then they might be challenged to to behave in a certain type of way. But God can help your child. Help our child too. And we'll we'll all help us one to another. You got to know where you're at. Your child is at. You got to know where you're at too. We can't fellowship just with anybody. Some people just don't believe God. They just don't believe. When you start talking about giving, they say, what do you giving? Oh, man, I don't, I, I don't, like she talked about earlier, they throw God the leftovers and think they're doing God a favor. But no, that ain't, God tells us to bring our best to him. And you know, when you start giving God your money, you're doing something. Because a lot of us work hard for our money, and so therefore we think that we uh, got the best, we know our best interest when it comes to our money. But God knows your best interest when it comes to your money a lot better than you do. You know, one thing I was, boy, I'm telling you, that was a revelation God gave us the other week. And I know this may be sidetracked just a tad bit, but when God showed us the other week that sickness can only go so far before God stopped it, can you imagine if we were individuals, amen, that, that did not believe in God, that sickness could just run rampant in our lives? I mean, when, you, when you're challenging your body, and, and I just, many of us have been challenging our body before, that Sickness can only go so far when you challenge your body with God. You say, hold on, you can't go no further. I mean, that was powerful to me. Because without God, that sickness is going to run free. It can run in and out of your body. But when it comes, when you're a child of God, God can stop sicknessness. I mean, he can stop it. Let me tell you something. There's probably some sickness and disease when you go out shopping somewhere that be in the atmosphere. It, it, it go past you because you oh, can't touch that one. And it run right past you. I mean, God can do stuff like that. God is powerful, y'all. Don't you never underestimate. You think because, you know, I, I washed my hands because I sprayed Lysol in the room. Baby, there's some stuff probably that can take Lysol, throw it back in the can. Y'all know that, right? Don't you ever think Lysol doing you a favor? There's some stuff out there Lysol be scared of. I'm telling you right now. God knows how to take care of you better than you do. 
And so when he is in the, in the midst of our situation, we thank God that he is Jehovah Raha, the Lord thy God that healeth thee. And we say sickness and disease has no place in our body. He takes care of every aspect, including when we're being challenged in the body. Thank God. Oh, she come by. See. Mm. Thank you, Father. So it included prayer. Remember Acts 2 and 42. Let me go back to the text again. 2 and 42. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Fellowship. So fellowship is important. The breaking of bread and in prayers. Those very important things that were included in this particular aspect. So we inc- prayer is another aspect where they did on a constant basis. And Sound teaching. Sound teaching. In other words, when they talk, they divide the word rightly. Line upon line, precept upon precept. They talk things, they talk about subjects such as heaven. And sometimes you got to teach heaven in the right aspect. Let me go ahead and put this out there before you. Not everybody going to heaven. You can't live any type of way and think you can go to heaven. You got to be born again in order to get to heaven. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's some doctors and teachers out there that teaches you that everybody going to go to heaven. You can't find that in the Bible anywhere. The Bible says this, hell hath enlarged itself. For what? People going in there. So many I'm going in there. But you know what? I'm like you, and I know you like me. I ain't going to hell for nobody. Some of y'all shouldn't say amen right there. It got kind of quiet on that point. I ain't going to hell for nobody. How about you? No, I ain't going to hell for nobody. So I believe in heaven. I also believe in hell. Another thing, we believe in giving. Some people don't believe in giving. But the, there's power in giving. Giving has changed our living. We believe in God, giving God his tithes and his offerings. We believe in eternal life. We believe that everybody's going to live forever because of God who made us back in the beginning. But you're going to live somewhere. We believe in eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We believe in everlasting life with Jesus. We believe in love. We believe in agape love, a God's type of love. God loves us with an unconditional type love. God loves us when we were unlovable. Christ died for us when we were unlovable. Thank God he did that. Woo. How many thank God he died for you when you was unlovable? I thought when you were smoking dope, lying, cheating, homonging, and doing everything, Jesus still loved you. You didn't even love yourself sometimes. But Jesus loved each and every one of us. I know people say you got to clean yourself up before Jesus loved you, but he loved us when we were sinners. We were sinners. And let me tell you something. You know, look, at that. look around. You see how everybody good? Everybody look around in the sanctuary this morning. Everybody, how everybody, good everybody look. They used to be something. They used to be. Mm-mm-mm. And Jesus loved us despite who we used to be. He loved us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Forgiveness. Thank God for forgiveness. And not just forgiveness of our sins, but helping us to operate in forgive, forgiving other people. Forgiving those around us, those who did us wrong, we believe in forgiveness. We believe in, in the teaching of how to handle trials, tribulations, and disappointments. Trials are going to happen in your life. 
Tribulations is going to happen in your life. Disappointment's going to handle in your life. But you don't let, you don't let the disappointment control you. You don't let the tribulation control you. You don't let the trial control you. You let Jesus be the Lord over every aspect of your life. And let me say this to you. I believe God can bless you in the midst of trials. I believe God can bless you in the midst of tribulation. And I believe God can bless you in the midst of disappointments. I believe he's just a God just like that. I believe he's Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Even in the middle of your disappointment, God can drop a Good measure, press down, shake it together, and run it over in your life. I believe in the middle of your tribulation, God be blessing us. You know what? I've seen God bless many of us in the middle of our tribulation. In the middle of our tribulation. I'm talking about if you ain't in the beginning, you slap down in the middle of your tribulation, and God has dropped a good blessing on your life. I've seen some of y'all been blessed financially in the middle of a tribulation. In the middle of a disappointment, God healed your body. In the middle of a trial, God brought you out of the predicament that you got yourself into. He's a God that blesses. In fact, it takes a good God, amen, to love you in the middle of your trials and tribulations. I believe God is big enough to bless you in the middle of your trial, bless you in the middle of your tribulation, bless you in the middle of your disappointment. He's God, Lord of lords and he's king of kings. That is the apostle's doctrine, that God can do all things but fail. Man, what kind of God will we serve if he couldn't bless us in the middle of a trial or tribulation or disappointment? That's like an average person. Average people do can bless you in the middle of when we ain't going through nothing, but only God can bless you in the middle of a trial or tribulation or disappointment. Whew, isn't he wonderful, y'all? Let's give the Lord a hand of praise if you believe he's wonderful. Amen. As you're learning the apostles' doctrine, as you're learning, as you're including in prayer and fellowship and so forth, and you continue to learn the teachings of Jesus, we, as we consistently being taught by our God-ordained pastor, we must receive and apply the teachings that empower us and enable us to stay united in our thinking, in our speaking, and in our actions. When we apply the word of God, it calls us to think better, it calls us to speak better, and it calls us to act better. When we apply the word of God, when you hear, faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How can they hear without a preacher? How can they preach unless he's been sent? And so when you have your sent preacher come into your life and you apply what you learn, you begin to say what he says. You know what? You begin to say like, God got the remedy for what I'm dealing with right now. God, amen, I'm living under an open heaven right now. I know it may not look like it. I'll tell you that, but don't go by what you see with my life. Can't go by what you see. Don't go by what you see because I'm living under an open heaven. Yeah, I may be dealing with a trial, but I'm living under an open heaven. I may be, listen, my checking account may be challenged, but I'm living under an open heaven. You can, I can't say I'm broke because God supplied every one of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I can't say I don't know because I'm hooked into wisdom. I'm hooked into knowledge. I'm hooked into understanding. I can't say I can't do it because he said I can do all things who Christ, who through Christ, who strengthened me. I can't say because I'm living under an open heaven. When I'm living on an open heaven, I'm just applying what I've learned. When I say better is here, better is coming, oh, it may not look like better coming. It may not think, you may not think better coming. You may look at my life, say better not coming, but tell you that, but don't let that fool you. Tell them better is here and better is coming. 
Oh, it's coming in my finances. It's coming in my body. It's coming in my mind. It's coming in my home. It's coming in my business. It's coming. It's coming. Tell your name, it's coming. Woo. Why, if, you, if, you, if you blink your eye, you might miss it too because it's already here. Ooh, tell somebody it's already here. Oh, you got to tell them like you really mean. Tell them it's already here. It's already here. I'm operating it right now. I'm living in it right now. Yeah, you may look at me and say, I, I got, like, I'm, I'm missing out on something. But God says he is doing what he's doing in my life right now, right now, right now. Somebody say right now. Now, and when we hear and think and talk and act more like Jesus, we should be steadfast and gravitate, excuse me, toward those who believe like we do, which indicates how imperative it is for us to stay in the midst of faith-filled believers and consistently renew our mind with the Word of God. Go to Romans 12 and 1. You've got to consistently renew your mind with the Word of God. Can anybody admit that they're not thinking like they did 10 years ago? I think it's changing, right? The question you got to ask yourself is this. What's changing my thinking? What's changing my thinking? What's influencing my thinking? What caused me to think? Why do I make the decisions like I make them? If you can't say the word of God, then repent and get it right. That's why it says here in Romans 12 and 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I need my mind to be changed, but I, I need to be changed by the word of God. So I don't need the world influencing me or carnal-minded Christians influencing me how to think. I need God to influence me how to think. How do I love my wife? God has to teach me how to do that. How do I treat my brothers and sisters in Christ? God has to do that. How do I handle trials in my life? God has to teach me how to do that. How do I handle raising my children? God has to teach me. You know, train, train for a child the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart. But you know what? Your child different than every child out there. You ever read a book about your child, you're like, man, this ain't my child. Look at y'all, y'all didn't quite get there. Because your child's different. It's unique. Your child is fearfully and wonderfully made. Your child broke the mold. Your child is unique and special, made by God. And so we have to make sure that we, we get God's direction on what to do. When it comes to your business, you need to ask God how to run your business. How do you do your business? When it comes to different areas of your life, we all need the help of the Holy Spirit in order to properly make decisions. We all need help. We all need help. But I'm telling you something. God has trained many of our minds how to do things the proper way. Even remember that time they used to say that we were going to run out of resources? But that was not scripture because God said he's going to supply every need. That means that even natural needs just as well as spiritual needs. We're not going to run out of resources. You don't have enough. There's plenty more to go around. God has plenty to go around. You remember that time they told us that money was almost like, they told us that money had left the earth and gone to the moon somewhere? I mean, the, the way they tell you stuff, you, you got to be careful how they influence you and how they tell you. And then that same money that went to the moon all of a sudden came back and now their jobs 
you know, people can get a job pretty much anywhere now. The thing you got to understand is that is the mindset of the world. They try to get you to, if they want, want you to think lack, they want you to say, hey, there's lack. But they want you to think abundance, there's abundance. They want, the world wants to control how you think when it comes to money. But you don't let the world influence you when it comes to money. You let God influence you when it comes to money. You let God be the final say-so in your decision-making. Let him be the one that gives you the guidance and the leadership when it comes to that. So let him change the way you think. And we agree with God. Go with Matthew 18. Matthew 18. We agree with God. Matthew 18. Verse 19. Matthew 18, verse 19. Again, I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them for my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So notice when we come together that God is in the midst of us when we come together. He's in the midst. But I thank God it don't take a whole bunch to get God to move. If I can find two or three people that can believe God for your healing, there's power in that. There's power in that. If I get two or three people to believe God for your deliverance, there's power in that. If I get two or three people to believe God for your prosperity, there's power in that. That's why you got to be careful who you hang with, who you associate with, who you fellowship with, because you need people that are, are in agreement with God for your life, just like in agreement in God for their life as well. You need to be in agreement with God. In agreement with better, in agreement with healing, in agreement with deliverance, in agreement with prosperity, in agreement with God for our, eat, for our everyday life. Now, and don't let anybody separate you once you get there too. Notice what he says, when we dwell together in unity, there's going to be the enemy that's going to try to separate you from those who believe. They're going to, the enemy is going to try to separate you from those who believe. The enemy will always try to separate you. Go with me to the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 35. The book of Romans chapter 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sore? Something is trying to separate us from the love of Christ. And if it can separate you from the love of Christ, it will separate from those who love Christ. And we don't want to be separated from those who love Christ, who believe God for us, because it's good and pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity. Let's go back over to Psalms 133. And again in verse 1. Verse 2, it's like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Eder, running down on the edge of his garments. Now, as we continue to dwell together, not letting anyone or anything separate us, we will be in the position of having the oil run down to us. The oil represents the anointing. That oil represents um, comfort or healing. That oil represents the fat or the plenteous, uh, another word for being prosperous. Uh, that oil represents sanctification, to be empowered. We need the oil to run down on us. We need God's oil. And when we dwell together, this is what I love about this. It doesn't just run down on one of us. It runs down on all of us. 
it run down, it run down on the youth just like it does on the, on the, on the adults. It run down on every individual, male, female, it run down on all of us. And, and the thing is, we, we make up in our mind, we're going to dwell together. We're going to stay together. We're going to work together for the common cause, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are going to do it together. We're going to do it together. And when it does, it's going to run down us. We're going to, it's going to bring comfort and healing. When we come together, it's going to bring comfort and it's going to be healing taking place. Not only that, we're going to prosper. We're going to be set apart. We're going to be empowered when the oil runs down on us. I thank God for the oil running down on us. And this is where we dwell together. When we come together, when we stay together, what keeps us together? The teaching of Jesus Christ. When the teaching comes, it brings the anointing. When the teaching comes, it brings prosperity. When the teaching comes, it brings healing. And all of that is available to each and every one of us when we take heed to what's being said and apply it in our everyday life. When we do that, it's going to make a difference. Well, tell you that, it's going to make a difference in our lives. It's going to make a difference. See, when that oil begins to run, it's going to make a difference in your life. You're not going to think like you used to think, talk like you used to talk, or act like you used to, used to act. Why? Because the oil is in your life. You can't have an encounter with God you stay the same. Not a real encounter. Not a real encounter with the master and your life remain the same. See, I believe it takes the anointing to work together in unity as well as fulfill the will of God in our lives. As Jesus would pray portray in his prayer for us in John 17. So let's go over John 17. See, I believe it takes, we have a mind to stay together, but it takes Jesus to keep us together. If you don't work together in an auxiliary, whether it's men, women, you, uh, music, audio, helps, whatever, it takes the anointing to work together. It takes the anointing to learn, love one another. It takes the anointing to get along with one another. And it takes, a, you know, it takes, you can be, you can have your mind made up all day long. But if God don't help you to stay together, you won't stay together. One definition of the anointing is oil. Oil, when you put it in a car, keeps the car running smoothly. A car without oil, that thing will just kink, kink, kink and start making noise and it starts it won't function the way that it needs to function. The oil in the body of Christ keeps it functioning. Because the Bible says this, iron sharpeneth iron. We got some iron, iron folks in the sanctuary. Don't look at no neighbor because you think I'm talking about you right now. I know, don't, don't look at them. I know we, yeah, I'm talking about them, but that's okay though. I'm talking about you too. Iron sharpeneth iron. So we need the, oil, the anointing oil to keep us smooth together. We rub against it won't cause heartache or cause discomfort or distress. But notice how Jesus prayed. And, and this, this is a good indication in John 17, 20 through 23, that it takes something extra in order for us to stay together. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you have given, gave me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. So notice this, he's praying that they become one just as we become one with the Father. 
So it takes something special to become one with Jesus. So as you become one with Jesus, you become one with one another. That's how we dwell together in unity, because we have a common ground, which is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 23, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So it's imperative that we are, he, Jesus prayed that we become one. And it's important that we all understand that, it's, that if he prayed that we become one, then we know it's going to take an extra special anointing for all of us to stay as one. Everybody see that? Sometimes we have to ask ourselves the tough questions. Now, this is a self-examination. Ask yourself these questions right here. Am I working daily to become one with Jesus so that I can become one with my sisters and brothers in Christ? Am I working daily to become one with Jesus so that I become one with my sisters and brothers in Christ? Am I using my God-given ability, ability to be a benefit to the kingdom of God as well as my local church? Am I using my God-given ability to be a benefit to the kingdom of God as well as my local church? And let me say this to you. Most of our talents and abilities will be used in our local church. We say the kingdom of God in whole, but it's normally funneled through your local church. Am I giving my best effort in loving, worshiping, Praying, serving, giving, showing hospitality, and remainly divinely connected with those around me in the faith. Am I giving my Am I giving my best? Am I giving my best in these different areas as well as staying divinely connected in the faith? Now let's go over to, back over to Psalms 133. It's like the dew of Hermon, verse 3. Descended from the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So notice as we are operating unity, as we're doing what, as we're made a decision, we're going to work together with my brothers and sisters in Christ. The Holy Spirit is helping us. He said it is like, in verse 3, it is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Some scholars believe that the dew of Hermon upon the mountains of Zion represent how refreshing and how invigorating the fellowship of brethren are, just like a dew upon a parched land in order for vegetation to grow. He, the dew of Hermon, many scholars believe it, it was a dry place. In fact, Zion in this particular text means a parched place. So when dew came, it brought moisture. When moisture came, it refreshes. It, it brings about uh, it brings about vigoration. Just like if sometimes if you get real hungry, you get, you get something to eat. It, it gives you vigor. It gives you life again. Same thing goes with this dew of Hermon. It brought about life again. Fellowship can bring about life. Let me say this to you: When we come together at the right moment, the right attitude, the right way. It makes us better when we come together. I should be in a position, you should be in a position that when we come together, we make each other better. We make each other better. I believe truly if we do it the way God wants it done, we should be better when we leave one another. I may be down, but when I come to you, I'm going to get up because of what you bring to the table. 
I should be better when I come to my, my local church. My question is, do I make others better when I come to church? I believe if you sow a seed or sow the seeds of trying to make others better, trying to encourage others, you will leave encourage yourself. But if you sow the seeds of discouragement, pessimism, and so forth, you will leave the same way the seed you sow. Now, then because you sow that don't mean I'm going to reap that. I truly believe that we're going to be we're better when we come together as a local church. Now, whenever we allow the good and pleasant fellowship of unified believers to take place, the Lord is going to command a corporate blessing. You see in Psalms 133 and verse 3, for there the Lord commanded. Notice he commanded. He ordered, he commissioned the blessing, the peace, the source of, the prosperity, the praise of God, the gifting upon all of those who will commit to remain in unity and receive this promise of prosperity. He commanded the blessing. Notice, the blessing wasn't just for one or two people in this particular text. It was for those who would dwell together in unity, whether men, whether women, or so forth. As long as they dwell together in unity, they were going to receive the blessing that came their way. The blessing was the peace, the source of prosperity, the praise of God, and so forth. Now, why do you say it's divinely connected, Pastor Bob? Because God got enough to go around. He got enough to go around. He can bless you with your heart's desire and still have plenty left over to bless your neighbor the same. Listen, God does not run out of healing. He got enough healing to give pass out to everybody. You know, sometimes you're getting scarce when there's a shortage of something, but God has no shortages. He has plenty to go around. He got plenty of peace to go around. He got plenty of joy to go around. He got plenty of deliverance to go around. God has plenty to go around. So when he commanded that blessing to come down, he, he said, you know what? Whoever is in that particular group, Whoever is a part of those individuals who dwell together in unity, the brethren, whether male, the female, the children, he got plenty to go around. You know what's good about God? He will give them their heart's desire too. He don't not just give you enough to supply every need, but he'll give you your heart's desire. Let me tell you something. God got so much for you. He got so much to go around. You know what? When God, when he made you, he already said, I got enough to take care of them the rest of their life. They can live to be 195 years old, and I still have more than enough to bless them with. They wondered how in the world they're going to make it. I'm saying God God is saying, I already got that. I already made it for them. I know their end from the beginning. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knew you wanted that, that desire before you knew you wanted it. He knew you wanted that outfit before you knew you wanted it. And that's why he made sure they had it right in your size on sale for the right amount at the right time. When you looked in the store, when you looked online, or when you looked there, they had it just for you. Like, my God, like God just made that for you. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He made them shoes for you. He made that outfit for you. He made your heart's desire for you. And not only did he bless you with that, he got your heart, your car ready for you. He got your house ready for you. He got your apartment building ready for you. I'm told I sure gonna be buying neighborhoods. Forget buying a house, they're gonna be buying neighborhoods, y'all. They're gonna have subdivisions named after them. Why are you trying to limit them to just a house? 
Oh, baby, one day you're going to have a house on your own. No, they'll have a subdivision of their own. They'll have about 10 or 20, oh, excuse me, 100 or 120 houses. They'll be selling and reselling as they grow old in life. Some of y'all didn't say amen right there. Y'all should have believed. I mean, that's some good stuff right there. Now they have one car, they have a car lots. Lots. Mercedes dealership, BMW dealership, uh, Audi dealership, Toyota dealership, Lexus dealership. It don't matter. They have dealerships. Ships. Houses. Cars. Why we try to limit them when God can give them so much more? Let me tell you something. The folks out there doing it all the time. All the time people are doing it. Why not our children? Why not us? It just seems so unreal. If, I, my, if my baby get their one little house, I'd be so happy for them. Be happy for them. But be happy today when they decide, you know what, I decided to buy this whole neighborhood, Dad. And 200 houses in the, in the neighborhood. Yeah, sure live. <laughs> don't talking, well, I, baby, don't, you might not can afford it. Don't put, don't put too much on you. And don't, let me tell you, if they give it to you, take it. Take it. Take it. And then start reselling. You, you can't live in all of them. You live in one. Fix it up and start reselling. Ask God for wisdom, how to do it, and God will give you the way to do it. But you know, if God put it in your hand, he got a way for you to do it, too. It's, remember, he's the God who profit us. It's the God who profit us. He knows how to profit us. Are y'all seeing that? Because why? The blessing, it's a corporate blessing. It's a corporate anointing. It's a corporate power that operates on, the, on us as believers. There's plenty to go around. Let me tell you, remain in unity because there's plenty of prosperity for all of us. Remain in unity, for there is plenty of prosperity for all of us. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Remain in unity. There is plenty of prosperity for all of us. And as you pray, and as you ask God to minister and to touch your life, remember, God has plenty for all of us. You ain't got to be jealous of anybody. You got to say, they got something that I ain't got. No, God got, let me tell you, what God has for you is for you. I know it's a song, but all the promises of God in him are yes and amen. God has plenty to go around. God can give you ideas and concepts and strategies that are uniquely and wonderfully yours that will help you in your fulfilling your purpose for the kingdom of God and wherever your kingdom may carry you, whether it's work, business, home, etc. He has ideas, he has strategies, he has concepts. And God, let me tell you something, when God gives you an idea, it's powerful. Not only will he give you an idea, let me say this to you, he give you the, he'll give you the ways how to work that idea. Because you can have an idea but not know how to work it. God will give you ways to work your idea. He'll give you strategies. He'll give you ideas. He'll give you concepts. For your business 
as well as your home. He'll make your life better. He'll save you money as well as make you money. God knows how to save you money as well as make you money. But one thing I love about God, even when he's doing all of that for you, he still knows how to develop a relationship with you. He knows how. He knows your Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.